Well, it is good to be back with the smoothest balls. I mean, boys that I know. Any given Sunday is uh, <laughs> is proud to be sponsored by one of Australia's fastest growing grooming men's brand, Nutcare. Proudly Australian, Nutcare is taking down under grooming to the modern day man. Recently voted number one by Men's Health magazine with Bare Nuts Pubic Hair Removal Cream. Nutcare is revolutionising male grooming. As proud sponsors of any given Sunday, Nutcare is offering our listeners 10% off their first orders. Simply use the promo code any given Sunday at the checkout and the discount will be applied. Nutcare, essential grooming for men. We genuinely are the smoothest boys around, though. <laughs> yeah, that part, 100%. 100% true. I love it's it. Better. I love 10% it. 10% off at the checkout, 100% off your balls. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Lars. <laughs> Grouse. Brown You are listening to Any Given Sunday Australia. Yes, hello and welcome to the Any Given Sunday Australia podcast, the number one podcast in Three households, one podcast, and I reckon a couple of states now that we've got a couple of special guests from inter- interstate, out of state, whatever it is, doesn't matter. <laughs> Joining us as always, our, as you've heard, the smoothest as, as they come, a little bit as smooth as they come, work experience kid, turn pro, at Danny Webb AGSAU, mate. You've made your way to the top after someone's gone on Daniel Leave. How are you, mate? Oh, I'm so happy to be back at the top, but also happy to have our Cardi Party back as well. It's nice to have the full squad. Yes, he is the bronzed bison, the big man himself. You're looking extremely tanned at Tim Cardi AGSAU. How are you, mate? Very good, mate. Just clinging on for dear life. It's like, you know, that barley tan. It's like when you get home, it feels like it almost washes off in the showers. <laughs> and there's not, not a lot of sun uh, to be seen uh, as we as we get closer to winter, boys. Mm, it's only about 11 degrees where I am, so there's definitely no sun. But Not quite winter yet, as we all know and always knew. <laughs> no, and we are not not lucky enough to be up in Sydney where apparently it's 21, 22 degrees, perfect golf weather. But we are joined by our very own ESPN insider, Laurie Haresh. How are you, big dog? I'm doing well. I'm basking in the glow of the compliments you guys have been sharing with each other. I mean, the, the, <laughs> it may be winter. It's frosty down in Melbourne, that lazy wind that just ru- ruin, ruins your night running right through you when you're walking the main streets of Melbourne. Um, it certainly hasn't taken the warmth and the uh, the loving vibes away from you three. So happy to be joining for the Arbor. Well, we have to bring it's the vibes the because the weather is yeah, so shit. Why we come on to just feel good about ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> that I've is really nice, the main reason. Got a nice warm cup of ginger lemon tea <laughs> to yeah, keep yeah, my yeah. vibes strong. <laughs> Are you wearing mocos as well still? Or? Absolutely. Do you want to see them? Yeah. I've got we'll mine. get them out. Oh, actually, I don't have mine. I lie. Well, we just knocked to, over my whole table. We need to have little incentives. Yeah, to constantly, delicious. always on the foot. Oh, they look well worn in too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not purely... Purely for the YouTubers that are watching. Ginger lemon tea and moccasins. This is what we call peak Melbourne in the city. (laughs) Although, uh, that does remind we have upgraded some of our uh, technology, I guess. You can now watch us live on, well, not live, you can watch us on Spotify, which is a bit of an upgrade. I didn't, uh, I I had that pleasure the other day when I was just just testing it all out. I don't watch myself all the time, I swear. but yeah, it's it's quite a pleasure to be able to, to log into to Spotify if you've got it and you can actually watch us there. So still available on YouTube and all the other places, but just additionally on Spotify now. Yeah, we've just upgraded. So yeah. we're getting more serious. We do have a lot of things. The The pipeline that we speak of is quite mm. large at the moment. We've, I know we've been a little bit quiet on the, the front. We had the, the good interview. Uh, Danny, you took control uh, with Coach Logan Tooley Tillman. How was he, mate? You absolutely nailed his name then, but you m- I f- messed it up the first it time. On the time. Yeah, I did. <laughs> absolutely, but that's just like a classic T-Mac. Uh, he is. was incredibly inspiring, great to speak to. Uh, any inspiring O-line or anyone who actually wants to get into the sport should definitely go back and watch that one. It was great chat, and uh, I even I felt pumped up. I was like, maybe I can do this. <laughs> yeah. Some the of the sayings that he was... Some, watching it back, some of the sayings he was coming out with was, uh, yeah, like you said, make oh. you want to run through a brick wall. Yeah, absolutely. He was uh, definitely knew how to get the fire going. That's for sure. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. We've got Loz here for a certain amount of time, so we're going to get straight into it. We're going to start with Dr. Danny's injury report, which is brought to us by C2C Rare Threads. You can check out their their merch, but you can also, this is one of theirs, uh, the Packers gear that I'm wearing. It's uh, Cherry Ripe. But you can also, now you can buy our merch on their website and through their Instagram, and you still get 10% off with the code any given Sunday. Uh, yeah. What do we got, boys? Uh, is it me, D. Webley? You are, me? yes, yes, me. you're right. All right, so... <laughs> <last time laughs> Great start. We're a bit rusty. Nah, it's been a, I've been on leave. Nah, <laughs> the last time we had you on, Loz, we were talking lots about the Aaron Rodgers trade. When's it going to happen? Yada, yada. I think hours after we wrapped the episode and that is the trade went through and you know everything uh got finalized there but the latest news out of the rogers and jets camp is just a slight little calf strain uh what have, what have you heard uh coming out of jets camp about the old man injury the old calf strain it is an old man injury. <laughs> for rogers there yeah i mean hours after we saw you know video pushed out on social of rogers with the uh little sneak into the corner holding on to the uh few pump fakes and as they get into their um, off-season workouts there, you know, a couple of pump fakes and scurries in for a, you know, training park touchdown that we see there. The little calf, you know, they're, they're really playing it down. What you hear, like all the all the noise out of Jets camp anytime. I mean, asked about it on the mic from players and coaches that like you're just hearing. Um, they're playing down. It's minor, minor, minor. Um, really trying to pour cold water on. On any kind of heat and smoke out of there, obviously it's the New York media market. It's a little def- different as glorified um and decorated as Aaron Rodgers' career has been uh, up in Wisconsin in Green Bay, that New York media market is slightly different. Uh, so there's obviously going to be plenty of chatter about it, but that's the word that you're getting out of Jets camp. And then they also, you know, there was an initial bit of concern for their other signing, uh, big off-season signing from Green Bay as well, Alan, Alan Lazard. Uh, but uh, Lazard assured everybody that, you know, I got back into uh, the practice session that was just a little bit of a hit below the belt. Um, as, uh, as look, that's something that a lot of people can um, can sympathise with, having gone through, you know, a shot uh, below the belly button um, over whether you scored your career or just, was it, you know. What was it about? Like, was it his knees, his quads? Like, yeah, was it a car, another he, calf? What was it, mate? He, what have you heard? He used the word gonads. Um, oh. Uh, yeah. oh, that was Australian parlance. But apparently that's a, it's a global term there, um, the which... Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, it does take me back um, hearing that word gonads, uh, you know, and I'm trying not to say it too many times, but it does take me back to think um, like year ten uh, athletic carnival where I was determined to try and make this school team, and I failed in qualifying for the hundred and two hundred, so four hundred, and a bunch of my mates were trying to nickname me for the day nads, just so that when I was running around the bend, that they could yell go <laughs> and then. I was wondering where this running story could come into Conads, but as I made the move around the final bend there into the lead and was was a little too pumped up that I might be earning an extra day off school, um, you know, and selection into look, I won't say it was the most illustrious athletics team, uh, old international (laughs) grammar back in the mid two thousands, but as I saw at the more at the end of the finish line, not so much, um, you know, the glory of athletic achievement, but that shining day off school coming up. Um, that's what I heard from my mates hanging around the high jump mats at the uh, the final bend there. It's peak year ten humor. That's and that, that's Nads like, didn't stick, mate. Like, <laughs> uh, look, that that humor comes. I think that's brought to you by Lynx Africa. How'd you go? Did you take it out? Yeah, I mean, the guys that won the one hundred and two hundred had not run the four hundred because they had already booked their tickets to the week off. So yeah, I was. It wasn't the strongest field. Um, you know, perhaps an AFC South level field uh, that I was up against. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, enough to get the uh, a fresh Wednesday off uh, in autumn. You know, what what could do you ask for that any more than that as a burgeoning, not so great high school sprinter? We love so it. top top two, not two, mate. Is that what we're hearing? <laughs> oh no no top one like yeah that's out, all, that's but, what <laughs> uh, yeah yeah top, yeah top two not two took it out daylight seconds but um yeah let's just say I wasn't wasn't running against the cream of the crop in that heat <laughs> you can only beat who you play uh, so we're feeling pretty good about Rogers and Lazard like I, I was reading a couple of articles and it said he hung out it was at the second OTA was it like the open press day or whatever and you know he was he, he stayed out there he's walking around didn't have a sock on the calf running so thinking pretty minor yeah and look it, it's a bit different like. Uh, Across the league, different teams have different exposure to the media that they allow for training sessions. And I think it's often seen in recent seasons. I know um, from the Dallas Cowboys standpoint, there was a point where they were doing OTAs live, training camp live, and like streaming, you know, commentary with practice from the sideline 
America's team, they got to get the product out there. <laughs> well, no, yeah, that's what they were doing. And I think there was actually a bit of a memo to peg that back a little bit <laughs> because <laughs> a few teams were messaging, a few media, a few like scouts from other teams were messaging media being like, are you guys really putting this up there? Because we're watching and loving every minute of this, mm-hmm. you know, of seeing course. your formations and some of the things you're working on. I think it's paired back a bit, but yeah, as you mentioned, from what they've seen, you know, it wasn't panic stations. Obviously, there's going to be a whole bunch of attention on this. This is a quarterback in his late 30s. Um, who so much we think for this season, perhaps for next season, feels a bit uh, wild and reckless to talk beyond uh, two years in, in New York, but someone that carries legitimate Super Bowl hopes for the uh, the Jets, the franchise, and a fan base that is very, very thirsty for it. Super yeah, Bowl they've definitely, yeah they've de- that's what I was about to say. They've definitely gone all in on this. So obviously a lot of Jets fans were seeing that and were like, oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And it's always well, good, to, good and well to say that it is fine, but if it's going to be a niggling injury that carries on, I guess yeah, because well, he doesn't normally traditionally train this early. Like he doesn't no, join in hasn't for years. Does yeah, and that's and you know, if you, you know, there's going to be people out there that be like, oh, you know, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't normally practice at this point, or how well conditioned was he, or anything like that. But these we've seen these injuries um, happen to you know quarterbacks um, of any level of age and fitness. Um, you go back to recent you know training camps, and you'll find a whole host of superstars that you know needed weeks off and needed. You know, rest days, veteran days. Um, it's it's still May. That's what we need to remember. Oh, yeah. It is still May. There's no panic stations there, but I think it's more than anything. The most telling thing is it's a little sampling of the type of drumbeat noise that we can expect out of that camp uh, and that media scene this year with Rogers in town. Yeah, mm. I don't know. The, the news that I heard is it's, it's pretty much off the bone. The Achilles is just <laughs> hanging on. So we'll see what happens. Impartial just- as always, Macca. Just on that, like the Jets have gone full all in. I, I can't even remember what it's called now off the top of my head, but they've like created this YouTube series of 23 videos. If you did catch the first one of that, nah, <laughs> I haven't, but I'm, it, they, you're right, though. It is all in. It's, it's like there is, and, and there's no point not to, right? This isn't a long term play. This isn't, this isn't the, the New Orleans Saints taking on Drew Brees at the midpoint of his career. You know, having been at the Chargers and with an injury cloud, and we're still going to build ahead of build with this guy for the next decade. This is someone that this is a. It might be a twelve month window, um, not even twelve months technically, but it might be a one season window. Ideally, it's two or more for Jets fans. But there's no point with any half measures here, whether it's adding talent on offense, defense, um, or hyping up as much as you can and pumping out, you know, um, documentary tier st- series, high high production quality stuff. It is. Like there is no, it, it sounds weird for a team that has had such little amount of success in decades and decades and decades, but it's Super Bowl or bust for the Jets. That's what this move mm. is. Absolutely. So taking it away from the Jets for a little bit, as much as I'm sure team wants to continue to talk about them and Rogers Please. all all day, every day. Let's move on. Uh, do we have any news on Brock Purdy after some rumors floating around for calls to Trey Lance? I mean, what you're hearing from the brass in San Francisco is yes, still week one target. Um, that's still they still think he's got a chance for that, um, and that's within the realm of possibility. Again, you you're several months out from that, but that he might start throwing as soon as next week. Um, and look, that'll be an important step. This is any time we're talking about you know arm injuries for quarterbacks. It's, there's a lot of eyes on that. There's going to be a lot of eyes on the likes of Matthew Stafford, who's obviously at a very different point of his career than Brock Purdy. But we start talking about. You, think about, you go back to Dak Prescott and the shoulder stuff in recent seasons um, that came up um, around you know this time of year exactly almost or as we started training camp. Anytime we're talking about that part of the body, the quarterback is going to be a lot of conjecture. It's going to be a lot of concern. But it's that window of opportunity that exists, not just for for Trey Lance and everything he's gone through in his short time in San Francisco, but you know. Sam Darnold is there, and I've been you know I'm a a, a fallen Sam Darnold fan. Um, from where the talent that I thought he brought into the league in the early flashes and where that went. But you'd be, as much as Brock Purdy was such an amazing story in the back half of that season and, and into the playoffs, and we felt like we were robbed a bit of that, although I'm sure Eagles fans in here don't think we were robbed of anything, um, <laughs> in terms of seeing Brock Purdy on that final stage of the conference championship game, it is a small sample size. And you'd be a fool, much like I think, um, if I'm talking to fantasy fans out there, much like you'd be a fool to take in so many seasons, take the top-ranked Denver Broncos running back for season upon season upon season. You see people investing early-round picks, and it was someone else uh, from the uh, the back of the pack. 
you can look at that situation, the quarterback situation, San Francisco, and say similar things. You, you could go broke betting on the front runner for the starting position to be that person all the way and to maintain that pole position all the way through the season. And especially when, look, heartbroken or not, whether you ever thought Sam Darnold was going to be good or you thought he was a bust and threw too many picks in college and was always going to end up this way. There's physical talent that comes with that. There's immense physical talent that comes with Trey Lance and Purdy's injury, despite the amazing story that he was in 2022 or 2023 now at a franchise that has had plenty of changing moving parts of the quarterback spot yeah. over the years under this regime. It's There's a window open for this to get really wild in terms of a quarterback race, quarterback competition, dominating headlines for the next couple of months. You mentioned um, Matt Stafford there, just to throw a bit of a curveball at you. Is, is Stenson Bennett, after being taken by the Rams, is he a genuine long-term? Because he's almost as old as Matt Stafford. <laughs> yeah, look, he's coming in as a pretty pretty old rookie quarterback. I Look, Stetson Bennett is, you're going to hear words like gamer, clutch, big-time performer. He's been on the big stage. He's decorated at college, but you know, there's a reason he slipped. There's, you know, his personality rubs some people the wrong ways in rooms. We're not sitting in those rooms, so it's hard to look and hear you go off what, you know, inside what you go off, what you know, buzz and rumors that you hear, but that, you know, perhaps his personality isn't for everyone, but he has overcome a whole bunch um, in terms of his expectation and rating and what he had to do to get on that paddock and be in those positions to lift trophies and, you know, be there when the cigars were lit, um, you know, with championships secured at the college level. There's mobility to his game, but from what he was asked to do at Georgia to, his, um, to, to how that translates to the pro game, to the physical skill set that he does bring, yes, the age, and you question where he's at in terms of how much better he could get. He's the type of quarterback that if he gets a chance, would it surprise anybody that he, you know, steps up as a gamer and delivers? No, but there's a difference between being a decorated um, college quarterback who also played on some truly loaded Georgia teams. Like some, mm. uh, don't need to talk. I said, we've got the Eagles fans sitting in here. They just drafted the, the yeah, defense. Yeah, pretty much the, the, last the, couple of the Georgia years. Eagles now. Yeah, that's it, right? Um, <laughs> and, and throw in, I think throw in Pittsburgh as well. I think the Steelers have judged. Nagged a few as well. So really, Pennsylvania has just gone down to you know Georgia and just started um, you know pillaging away there with with some of the talent. But there is that difference. It, it's great to see college storylines and and championship pedigree, and that's something that you know is valued. But um, there's a reason he was seen at the draft capital, the, the worth the draft capital he was. Um, if Stafford is healthy, um, it, it's still Stafford's team. Um, there is obviously questions around that super arm that mm. Stafford's boasted in the league for so long. But for Stetson Bennett, um, I, don't, I don't think he's the full investment. I think it's a swing um, that the Rams took late in the draft. Um, for a franchise that is so resource-strapped in so many different ways because of the way they've run their roster in recent years, and they talk about going all in, it got them a Super Bowl championship. Uh, but... Um, this is a team that doesn't have a lot of avenues, or at least this season didn't have a lot of avenues for young, cheap quarterback talent um, at the top of the draft. So this is a swing at the end. Could he, he absolutely has form and, and certain traits that say he could outkick um, that coverage or could outperform that draft day pedigree. But if I'm a Rams fan, I'm not sitting here today, uh, you know, putting all my hopes in the Stetson Bennett one at college. He's going to lead us to the glory land um, in, in the pro level. Mm. You're spitting some truth there, but I, I only got the, the Philly Beagles out of that conversation. So thank you very much, Garth. <laughs> I reckon from now on, that will be the well, Philly I was just, Beagles. I was going to say, I, yeah, I, I, I agree. And he feels like one of those, like he's going to be a perennial sort of quarterback, uh, sorry, backup quarterback. Like, you know, he might might move a few times and he's just always sitting in that number two spot. It just feels like, I don't know. And it just depends the vibe. But like, it, it's hard. You go off, draft season is lying season, right? You know, so you're not sure what, you know, oh, he interviewed so well in a room. Is that true? Is it not true? Did he? You hear questions about, you know, how the personality fits that backup quarterback spot. Like generally you have to, you have to bring good vibes. You know, we've seen the likes of uh, Chad Henney stay, stay around forever. Um, one of the names that's escaping me right now and it's infuriating. Chase Daniels stuck around in the league for so long and was like minister of good vibes. Um, that's part of the role as a backup quarterback and quarterback three, if a team carries three of them, you're helping set the temp, the, 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 the temperature in that room, maintaining, you know, you're helping out quarterback. There's a young developmental quarterback you might be helping out there. Um, you're providing perspective, insight, if you experience maybe some schematic knowledge to a young, talented quarterback that might not have seen certain looks. Backup quarterback, it's an interesting spot. It, you know, usually they do say, like, local beat, 
reporters love to say the most popular um, player in the locker room when a team is struggling is QB2. Um, if the Rams do struggle uh, and, you know, when we're talking about LA football fans, we expect there'll be more out there for the Rams and the poor Chargers at times, as much as I do love that Chargers team, um, tragic as though they may be with their injury luck. Um, the, you know, that noise will get pretty loud um, if Stafford looks like the injury has taken something from him. If a, if a roster that is piecemeal at best um, is struggling to perform, the quarterback too becomes pretty popular from the Rams faithful, I imagine. Well, and I think if the 49ers showed us anything from last year, like having a quarterback two and a quarterback three was pivotal. Like it was such a necessity for them. And having one that's successful as well, like coming in, which everyone, like, where they call him Mr. Irrelevant when Brock Purdy actually did come in. So it's like not necessarily a position, like just because they are a backup doesn't mean they're not going to still have a chance potentially, especially if uh, QB1 goes down to perform. Absolutely. Like the Brock Purdy ascension last year challenged a lot of people's thinking and you know, it, it, it sent a lot of teams back saying, how do we miss on this? What are we looking for? What are some of the key things that he had that you know, was the amount of starts that he had, you know, the amount of exposure, the snaps, um, the, 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 the experience with different schemes that he had to go up against? Um, should we be valuing that more? Because we do often hear words like upside and he's a he's going to come mm. into the league at 20. He's going to come into the league at 21. There's so much, so early in his development. And then I thought it was interesting because of Brock Purdy this offseason, we started to see some challenging with that with someone like Santa Anthony Richardson. How people saying how, you know, it used to be, oh, he's so young. Um, oh, he's, you know, he's so early in his development. Look how much upside he has ahead. And now you're hearing some balancing of that saying he is so young. He hasn't seen a lot. What happens if we do put him in early? Um, especially when you throw into the mix of that, the value of the, you know, the, the rookie quarterback contract, mm. having those guys play, having those guys on a rookie deal, taking up that QB one spot, freeing up money for the rest of your roster is such an advantage. So you are seeing some kind of challenging ideas here in Purdy and the experience, the experience of San Francisco is, is causing a lot of that. I should say the big asterisk there is that San Francisco scheme mm. um, is very different and not everybody can see such turnover uh, in terms of names and yet maintain productivity um, on offense. So there's San Francisco scheme and Kyle Shannon, what he does there is a bit of an outlier in itself, but nonetheless, um, as that scheme or as that attempt of those concept concepts to, to take them from San Francisco and put them all around the league as, you know, cousins and guys who, you know, were once in Kyle Shanahan's shadow, um, a part of his extensive coaching tree now um, seems to, to spread throughout. Um, people are going to have, um, so believe they can execute that. But yeah, whenever we look at San Francisco, I do feel like that asterisk of an outlier does need to just be brought up for a minute there because not everybody is so seamless. Mm. Not everybody has George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey as well. Like that's, I think that goes a Debo, long way to Brandon Brock Purdy. Yeah, that's it. Goes a long way. Yeah. But anyway, we'll move on to the some other news. And our news today is brought to you by American Connection with a K on Instagram or their website uh, as well. Ten percent at checkout with the code any given Sunday, and we're hopefully actually going to get on one of the boys to talk in a couple of weeks. Ben, uh, I've already had a chat to him, but. Uh, the internet was shit on his end, unfortunately. So not to throw him under the bus, he's he's fine with it. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll get him back on. It's a real good chat. So that'll be that'll be good to talk about. I want to bring up with you, Loz. We were going to get you on a couple of weeks ago when the schedule dropped, but we've now had a couple of weeks. We're going to be we're going to bring the positive side. We've had a couple of weeks to soak it all in and really discover. Boys, I'm going to throw it to you too uh, as well. Just games that we are looking forward to, and and especially games that are going to stand out going to the season, Loz. I mean, you see, you know, a Chiefs meeting uh, with the Eagles, and it's hard to steer clear of that, especially when it happens to be on Monday Night Football, which is a bit of fun. There's a, there's a, there's a real, like, it's a good-looking Monday Night Football matchup when you get, when you get, you know, just throw in, those are obvious meetings. The Broncos and Sean Payton taking Russell Wilson the week prior up against the Buffalo Bills. Justin Herbert versus Aaron Rodgers the week before that. Um, in mid-October, you're looking at. Dak Prescott up against Justin Herbert, Cowboys, Chargers, the Kellen Moore revenge game. The season finale, you got Baltimore and Lamar Jackson loading up on offense um, uh, with with a new scheme there, which should be far more bombs away through the air than the Greg Roman's uh, regime prior there on offense up against San Francisco. Um, and you close out in late December, you've got so many people's second favorite team uh, in the Detroit Lions um, hosting the Dallas Cowboys again. A, you said Cowboys quite a few times here. It's a surprise mm. to absolutely no one, but there's so many games. <laughs> week, week, one, week, week one, we're treated right off the bat on Monday Night Football 
um, with Aaron Rodgers up against up against Josh Allen. Like there's, the, it feels like where prime time is looking very very good. I pull, I, I excuse me as a you know kind of look at the screen here because there are so many. That I wanted to get across, but I'll leave some for the boys. But you know, Dallas Cowboys at San Francisco 49ers in week five. I mean, with how the playoffs have gone and recent, there is a lot on this game. And I think if the Cowboys, it's not a playoff game, but given how they've fallen in recent playoffs under Mike McCarthy, if that's a loss, mm. even though it is on the road, if that's a loss uh, in prime time, uh, look, there's going to be some heat. I think the Cowboys have a week seven bye from memory. Um, if the Cowboys are struggling into that by in this year's and all-in season for Mike McCarthy, he's got the offensive coordinator tag to go with the, or the play caller tag, I should say, to go with the head coach duties after Kellen Moore's departure. There is a lot there. So, and that's a that's a great. I don't know. I, I know I've got an Eagles fan in here, so I'm being I'm I'm trying to be conscious of that. But it's a great jersey. Clash. You've got to love a good jersey clash. And the 49ers have great strip, and they're often in these great jersey matchups. I know you know. Uh, with the Packers, Packers 49ers is another one that looks great, particularly when it's on proper grass. Um, you got to love that. Um, so those are some of the ones that jump out off the bat. There's, there's revenge games everywhere um, mm. that you're seeing across the board. Um, but there's a, there's one as well. I believe the Dolphins and Chargers um, take each other on this year. If I'm not speaking out of turn, it was pulled up on one of my um, one of the, the Excel spreadsheets I have in front of me. Um, and Dolphins, Chargers, yeah, week, uh, I got that week one. Week one, in one of the standalone games, it's like that mid-afternoon slate. So what, for us, that'll be at about uh, 6.30 in the morning on a Monday. Yeah, early. Yeah, you know, Dolphins using charges. How many points are we expecting in that one? You know, 70, 80? <laughs> are we going north of 85? Well, I don't know. Ask just... Jalen Ramsey. I reckon he'd be expecting uh, a little bit less. I mean, and you know what? Jalen Ramsey might have a decent game, but the you go across the board there. We know the wide receivers that the Miami Dolphins have with with Waddle and Hill there. They've added a chain. You talk about some players coming early from OTAs and, and mini camps. That a chain's just carving out explosive play after explosive play. Not a surprise when he runs a four three two forty. He's one hundred and eighty eight pounds, I think, but runs like a two hundred and ten pounder. I've never seen someone at that weight at the running back spot so good at inside running and the power element of that as well. And the Chargers are same old with the Chargers each and every year. And then I've got a Raiders. Raiders fan in here, so maybe not for everybody, but uh, you do hope to see them stay healthy at one one point. Like yeah. at one point, nah. you know, it, it's, nah. it's a bit ridiculous. I thought leaving San Diego, perhaps they one game. The, the, <laughs> leave the curse behind, but it definitely travelled with them down to Los Angeles. Um, so you know, Allen, Mike Williams, they invest in Quentin Johnson, hopefully a healthy offensive line. Austin Eckler back in the in mm. um, you know back in the frame with a reworked contract. Justin Herbert. Uh, one of the true, uh, just prodigious talents at quarterback. That one jumps out to me that we could be in for an absolute show. Yeah. Boys, what do you reckon, Cards? Any games jumping out at you? Yeah. So, week one, I've gone, I want to, I'm keen to see all these, the top quarterbacks that went in the draft. So, they're all playing uh, Sunday. I think it's the 1 p.m. time slot. So, like Monday, 3 a.m. our time. So, the Panthers and the Falcons, the Texans, the Ravens, and the Jags and the Colts all got the Bryce Young, uh, CJ Stroud, and uh, Anthony Richardson, so all the new quarterbacks, pretty keen to see just how those boys go. Oh, like week one, you know, the when the pressure is going to be like the microscopes on them the most, just see how they go. Um, obviously, hoping they all start. We're assuming they're all going to start. Uh, mm. See how they go. Um, in terms of other games that just sort of piqued my interest a little bit, week four, uh, I've got the Jets uh, taken on KC. Uh, uh, Jets are at home. It's Sunday night football. I think sort of week four, you know, you always talk about sides are starting to figure out who they are. So week four, maybe they're starting to start, start to settle in. We'll see. Maybe Rogers has had a bit of time to settle in and like they're sort of working out who they are and it could be a really good matchup. And then uh, just selfishly for me, the Raiders at home, first game at home against the Steelers, uh, it's week three. So the first, got a couple of potentially tough ones on the road early week one at the Broncos, week two at the Bills. So Tough little run. So first one at home for the Raiders. Uh, yeah, need to put in a good showing. Sunday Arvo game for us. Good gritty jersey matchup, that Raiders-Steelers. Good. Yeah. Not as yeah. flashy as some others, but enjoy that. That's tangible <laughs> through the screen there. You feel that. You do, you do. So, yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm looking forward to so far, mate. Danny, how about those beagles, mate? How, where, where, where <laughs> we got that? <laughs> we should uh, get a custom, custom jersey. Oh, I've already, it's already up here. Don't yeah. worry about that. Uh, so yeah, like Laurie, I obviously the biggest, one of the biggest ones I've circled is that week 11 Chiefs Eagles Super Bowl rematch. 
just going to be interested to see how Philly come back at that one. And then another game, I'm not going to go through so many of them, but yeah, another game that obviously has got a little bit of personal interest for me is the November 5th Miami Dolphins, Kansas City Chiefs, the one that's actually being played in Frankfurt in Germany because there is yeah. a high, high chance I will be in Europe. My significant other, my better half, is uh, <laughs> going to be living in and working in Denmark for the second half of the year. So I'm going to try and get over for November, December. And trust me, I'll be there from the start of November to make sure I'm in Frankfurt for the 5th. Like, obviously, tickets are going to be hard to get and stuff like that. But if I can have any opportunity to get there and see a game. We, we will pull our significant resources to get you there, mate. Oh, yeah. 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 So and we will uh, just mention that the podcast will not stop. Danny will be on Daniel leave, but he will still be there. So yeah. we're going to have to stress about that. We... No, <laughs> no, no. It's, a, it's a working holiday. Yeah, yeah, it's a working holiday. It's a working holiday. Well, technically, it's a research holiday, really. I'm yeah, assuming yeah. I'm going to get all my flights back at tax time and <laughs> all of that. <laughs> Yeah, nice. I'm, I'm glad you brought up brought up game over in Europe because there's one that I wanted to touch on. The Jags are obviously a regular feature over in, mm. in London. Yeah, London. The, the werewolves of London that they'll be known as, you know, when the team eventually goes there in 2029 or something. <laughs> um, but, but there you go. Um, but the we'll Jags, put on the ticker. You, saw, you, saw, you mentioned the Jets. Like, it's nice to see the Jets being brought up as like, you know, oh, look at this game. Like, when talking about the games we're excited for, the Jets being mentioned, look, it hasn't been the most consistent occurrence. Uh, in in recent seasons, but the Jags are another one. Like Trevor Lawrence was a, someone who touted him from early last season that he was going to finish the year as top six quarterback, and I think he absolutely landed that at the end, the end of the season as we go into the twenty twenty three campaign. Him playing against Josh Allen at Tottenham Stadium that's an absolute belter, especially with the Jags. You know they've invested in the offensive line. Calvin Ridley's part of the equation down there now. Uh, Travis Etienne showed what he can do when healthy. I'm I'm incredibly excited for where we see Trevor Lawrence go. Um, you know, the one year of Doug Peterson time was far better than what we saw in the just calamitous experience under Urban Meyer in his rookie season. Uh, the toughness they saw, what he showed, you know, talent isn't a question with Trevor Lawrence. The toughness the guy showed in the playoffs coming down from 75 nil at half time, um, <laughs> you know, that, that that's something you've got to feel so positive as uh, mm. as a Jags fan and. Look, this is the type of team uh, that he's going to have to do do absolute battle with and, and go toe to toe with in that loaded AFC and getting that. I mean, if I'm a, you know, the Jags have said some not great teams over to London, as committed as they've been to the city over the years. This is this has to be one of the best games they've treated the local fans to. So yeah, that one I think is I think it's week five, week six, somewhere in that yeah. in just after that first month. Um, that's one that look, it'll be nine thirty. I think it's going to be 9.30 in Eastern US time. So at that point, it's going to be 11.30 or 12.30, depending where daylight saving is for us. Uh, but if you're struggling to sleep that Sunday night or that Could Monday be a good morning, night shift on cats. Absolutely. Yeah. Worst oh, things to have they... fired up. Loz, are the Jags, are they over there two weeks in a row? Yeah. yeah they're doing two yeah. weeks in a row. Different stadiums? Not... Yeah. I think they're doing Wembley like... yeah. Good Correct. chance maybe to steal this one from the Bills over kind of neutral territory, I guess. Like, and as you said, coming off, you know, a much better year last year, getting to the playoffs. Trevor Lawrence, you know, he's obviously grown and mature. Good chance to maybe steal one from the Bills there. Absolutely. Like the Jags, I, I don't know how confident people are in, in the, the completeness of where their defense is, but offensively, if you're seeing Lawrence, look, progression, progress as a player is in a straight line, right? Players take steps back, up and down. Sometimes they rocket forth in one season. But if, if we expect to see some more similar growth that we saw from year one to year two with Lawrence and then the additional... Um, talent that he has around him, you know, they walk in there with Christian Kirk and and Calvin Ridley as wide receiver one and two. And I'm not sure we feel confident that the Buffalo Bills they added Dalton Kincaid um, to kind of play his little lineup as tight end, but really is going to function as a big slot receiver. Um, are we confident that the, can you say that the 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 Bills go in with the better one two punch out of receiving options than what? Um, than what the Jags do in that one. If we're going to see a throwdown, you know, the Bills themselves have had to retool on defense a little bit. I don't think it's the most, as the Bills felt, in especially going into last season, such a complete roster, seemingly good players at every single level. They've had personnel losses. Mm. Um, their offensive line was exposed to a degree um, last season. And, and we saw a little too much of chaotic Josh Allen and not growth and control Josh Allen, um, that where he channels that ridiculous, ridiculous talent that he does have. So yeah, they're absolutely a chance. Um, I think 
the Jags, it's such a, it, I'm not going to sit here today and say the Jags, you know, make an AFC, t- you know, championship game considering how stacked that conference is. But this is year three of Trevor Lawrence. If he's continuing to take that run up, um, he's, in my opinion, he's top six quarterback in the league. He's going to put himself in a lot of games where he's the best quarterback on the field. Uh, it's a great place to start from. And, you know, Josh Allen and the Bills would be wanting to see a lot more consistency than they did, uh, than they put down there in 2022, which is a, a disappointment for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a great shout, though, Karts. Just having that extra week there to be able to, to you know, get acclimatized and stuff like that. Yeah, great shout, yeah. great shout. Um, Danny's obviously just <laughs> gone to check out what overseas is like at the moment, so he'll get himself sorted. Uh, my my two games are, very again, very selfish of myself, but I will... The first one I'm looking forward to seeing is whether Aaron Rodgers has handed the keys over to Jordan Love. Week one, we're at the Bears. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, the Packers do still hold the keys of Chicago and are going to take control there. The other one, I think, is week five. And I'm I'm hoping, again, to pull those those uh, collective monies together and see if me and Karts can get over to Vegas. <laughs> Packers versus Vegas in Vegas would be a delight to get to. Happy to do it, mate. Anything, anything for work, you know. Well, it's, it's all tax rolled off. We're, we all know it. So uh, we'll have to hit up our sponsors and see if they're willing to send us over there, though. Because <laughs> flights have some reason gone through the roof, but it's just gone running. Yeah, running. yeah. But no, that's so. There is. I don't know about you boys, but I feel like this year more than other years, there's so many games week on week that are just like Jesus, some juicy in that game. Whether it's a backstory or just you know two QBs that are looking to go at each other, you're like. Week on week, there's going to be absolute crackers. Well, I think when you've got, I thought that too. And you know, you, you ask yourself, "Is like, is this just me in the depths of the off season, just thirsty for some NFL content?" And I'm just ready to test based on it. Like, whatever's gone, whatever drips are coming your way. Like the schedule release, it's a schedule release. You know who's <laughs> playing who before this. This is just the order, and yet it's a free day event. Yeah, <laughs> you've got network specials on ESPN, on NFL Network, everywhere. But I think, I was thinking about that, why does this feel so spicy? Like, why does this schedule look so good seemingly every week? And I think when you do have, no secret, the AFC is the dominant conference, at least on paper and coming off 2022. The AFC is absolutely stacked, like 10 deep stacked with teams that can absolutely contend. And because you play your conference teams more often, you're seeing more of those matchups. I, I would hazard a guess that if we, I'm not going to sit here and go through 256 games right now, whatever the number is at this point, but if you went through and you kept ticking off the games that you were excited about, I'm going to guess that AFC versus AFC would feature really, really heavily in that. From the NFC side of things, like people are going to be obviously excited about the Eagles, the 49ers, mm-hmm. you're throwing the Cowboys after that. There's a little mystery after that, but you know, a competitive team out of New York and the Giants is going to gain eyeballs and attraction. A, a team like the Detroit Lions that have absolutely sparked something. Chicago Bears that have been lowly as anything, but they might have the most exciting player in the NFL on their roster. Like they, they, like I, I, and I'm sorry, (laughs) they could, or he could take steps backward. But there's so many when you have a concentrated amount of talented quarterbacks going against each other in one conference. And on the other side, there's plenty of lottery tickets that look like fun. Um, The Bears might win six games, but there'll be a whole lot of fun for seventeen of them. Yeah. Well, that's the thing with the NFC because it's so wide open. It's just it could be anything. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's kind of as you said, like it's it's exciting. Mm. Absolutely. So. In the past week, Loz, there's been some rule changes and uh, I know hosts of other big NFL shows are not as happy about it. It's come to the kickoff rules. Uh, so now a fair catch will be taken automatically to the 25. Is that how I read it properly? And it got voted on and it passed straight away as a an introductory this season, so they're going to trial it. But I can't see them going backwards. Yeah. Goodell had to reintroduce it. He didn't get it through the first time. Yeah, I didn't get it through first time, but then second time all of a sudden had everyone on board. So I wonder what, (laughs) grease some palms or or something. But I don't know. It doesn't seem like, I can't imagine that the the kickoff guys are very happy about this. No, you heard like the special teams coordinators were almost unanimously against this. Um, But, you know, they're going to talk about safety um, and they're going to talk about safety, which we should always be having that conversation. I am... Look, it's not always great podcasting and radio to have a lukewarm take. I'm kind of just holding my horses here just for a minute because of what you said, right? One year, it's kind of a trial run. And I don't think this is the, I think this is a step to where we'll eventually get. Where we eventually get, I'm not sure, but this feels like a one season, not a half measure, but about as much of a measure as you want to take in one season. 
as you yeah. step along to somewhere where you still feel like you can get the kickoff in, kick kick kickoff in the game, but are limiting um, some of the, the the collisions and hits. Look, I think it's an absolute art for kickoff yeah. specialists, whether it's your kicker or your punter, who's mastered dropping it down and like sending a moon ball up there. And maybe that's our footy, you know, the culture we grow up in in here, whether it's, you know, AFL, you know we, we have a, of course, we have an appreciation of the boys, um, you know, putting food through leather over there. But it's an art to be able to do that, have it dropped down in that particular zone. So it's, it's, it's tough to see that skill not rewarded, but I think this is something in a step towards, um, you know, further down the track where we can still have concussions I still have, sorry, kickoffs in play, limit concussions. We can still have concussions, Kraus. <laughs> Unfortunately, with the tag there. But, but perhaps the final result in a couple of years' time is more, yeah, okay, those are whether those remain fair catches or not. Maybe the blocking setup is different. Maybe we see blocking start further down the field. Maybe we see blockers start closer to the line of scrimmage together so you're not getting those high-speed contacts with, mm. with the, the, the coverage units um, and then the kickoff return units. Um, so... I. I, it looks rough this year, and when you do have such, it's seemingly unanimity, unanimity, ugh, unanimous response. Yeah, we create that. words up too. Um, don't stress. Yeah, well, unanimous response seemingly from from masters of the craft and special team coordinators. It does get you back up a bit, and you go, "Is this really better for the game?" Uh, but especially because you know it's an X factor, right? Returning mm. the return, it, it, it's a little bit of the dark arts. A little, it's a little bit of an X factor, but you still like to see that kind of chaos element brought into it but I'm, I'm reserving full judgment it might not be pretty this season it might not be the most exciting year of returning we've seen but i'm, I'm interested more in where the long-term conversation gets us because um, yeah. you still want returns in the game absolutely yeah. it's, it's, it's not as if it played a massive part in the super bowl that we just saw no yeah. and and you know yeah just just mildly pivotal but yeah. you know you did see some of the numbers yeah. coming out that, Sorry, you know the average return position the average return mark for kicks fielded inside the five yard line or the 10 yard line was pretty close to the 25 yard mark so people are going to say oh on average you know it doesn't really make that much of a difference but when i talk about you know fans aren't going to talk about on average they're going to think of what the emotive you know the spectacular yeah that's a small sample size but you can understand why people want to hold on to those because you know the names of devon hester you know ring true in all our Mm. minds for a reason yeah just quickly maca so if you don't signal the returner doesn't signal fair catch, it's game on, return as normal. You've got to signal fair catch and then it's automatic to the 25. Yeah. So we're still yeah. going to... Or, or kick through the end zone. Is the end zone going to 25 now? Or it always has been, it? or has been the last few years. They made the move out there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But... So we will still see some return. Yeah, well, you've got to be some balls. So, like, that's what I think, like, for that's myself, what, the Packers... That's going to be coming from the coaches. Is like, if it's some coaches will just be... Don't. Say, you know, signal safe catch no matter what. Like, yeah, yeah, shit, yeah. That's what we're doing. And depending on who the quarterback you're playing as well, like, yeah, you want to be giving them as least as possible, I guess. So, but I think the from a personal side, last year we, the Packers special team punt returns, kick returns have been shit for years. We finally <laughs> find this gem with Keyshawn Nixon, you know, getting our first punt return or kick return touchdown in I think it was ten or fifteen years or something, and now they're trying to take it away from us. So. That's where I'm a little bit dirty on it, but as long as it doesn't make its way into the punt game as well, that's that's mm. another. If they keep the punts, I guess that you, you see them more, um, depending on how many touchdowns are scored, I guess. But yeah, as long as it doesn't make it into both sides of the kick, then yeah, I guess we'll see where it goes. We don't really have much choice. We're, we're going to see it anyway, so we might as well cop it on the chin. The other one we don't have much choice about, and I think people are you know, in terms of rule changes, the um, and it's not an on-field rule, but the the change to. Thursday night football flexing that we're going to see from week 13 to week 17. They've got a lot of pub. Um, look, it's limited to four weeks. It's 28 days notice now, um, which is better than where it started, the rule proposal. But yeah, I, I think in a selfish way, you know, you can sit there and be like, well, you know, what does it matter to us? We're in Australia. We're likely not going over there. You know, we're, we're watching on TV. This way we're going to get, you know, Thursday night football is going to, it's, it can only happen twice a season as well in that, in that little window there, the week 13, week 17 window. You know, it means we might get two good, two extra good Thursday night football games instead of yeah. being subjected to one that, you know, a Broncos special that looked like yeah, oh, yeah. in May and is an absolute fizzer come, you know, November or December. But think of the fans. Like, that is, that's, that's a big change to happen to you, you know, four weeks mm. out. You could have hotels booked. It could be kids. Yeah. It could be family. It could be leave from work. It could be all sorts of stuff. 
uh, to have thrown in there. That's that's a tough break. And you just think like, for yes, we'll get a couple extra, maybe, you know, the games might be 30, 40% better than we could have asked for for a couple of weeks. But there's going to be some rough tales that we see out on social media that are going to go viral. You know, me, my wife and my, you know, four kids had this planned and now we can't yeah. do it. And that's going to be tough to see. Um, and I think justifiably that's been that's been heavily criticised and, and questioned. And look, again, you know, it may not come up, may not get used. Um, and there are some pretty strong restrictions on it, down to two games in that short period. But that one felt a little a little bit like, uh, and, and it passed, what, I think 24 to 8, which is the absolute minimum amount of votes you needed to get that through. And you heard from the teams that did abstain. Um, the buzz that came out from that, and that was, we feel like this is a, not the kindest gesture we could offer to our, you know, beloved fans that have put the league in the position it's in today. Mm. I think it's fair if you're within that 28-day period or, or whatever, then, you know, you, you get moved, you get penalties. It's just what it is. Um, but for those who, you, you're going to hear all the bad stories about those who have four kids and, you know, can't make it. You'll never hear the good stories where it's got moved and old mate who had leave on that day well, or who didn't now can go and, you know, you, you always see the bad before the good. So I'm sure there's going to be just as many good stories as bad stories. I want to put a wager down that it doesn't get used this week. That it doesn't nah. get used this season. There, there's nah. so much talk about it. And it's, it's a dollar one. Where we get, you know, week, week 13 to week 17, Thursday night football happens to be the, the greatest slate of games in modern NFL history. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, fair enough. Uh, quickly from me, Loz, any news on Zeke yet? No, I'm pretty quiet on Zeke. Um, I think, look, for those that watched a lot of Zeke last year, not really a massive surprise. He's Who he is as a presence in the locker room, professionalism, work ethic at this point of his career is really commendable. But from an efficiency standpoint, effectiveness standpoint, we don't need to run into all the numbers, but he rated really, really low uh, in terms of his on-field production last season. He still got more carries than Tony Pollard. Uh, which for many Cowboys faithful was hair pulling uh, numbers and and just a just bizarre. But I, look, he's he still runs with power. He still runs with vision. But his ability to put those two things to work with speed or burst or lateral agility has been so massively diminished. Pass blocking probably isn't at the elite tier it was in the early stage of his career. Still smart. Still understands blitz pickup. Obviously recognizes you know, um, recognises where he needs to be. But there's a reason in a year where there was an absolutely stacked running back class. Like, I think I had 15 guys that I thought were worthy of taking in the top three or four rounds at the running back spot. But there was probably a couple more extra that I was lower on than the average. Um, it wasn't a recipe for him to find a happy home. Um, quickly, I think he'll be waiting around. Maybe, maybe he doesn't want to do OTAs and minicamp. He doesn't need to do it if he's staying in good physical condition and training to himself but i think this could be a situation where you wait for an opportunity or to arise um and wait for, and that's sad to say you hate to you know bank on injuries but that's the unfortunately mm. that's the, the kind of cynical nature of the market of especially for that running back spot um people have talked about the bills for a bit both not just in conjunction with zeke uh talked about with dalvin cook who's expected to be traded or, or released at some point in the coming days um look at they i mean they did they have James Cook there, who's more of that kind of modern day third down back receiving skill set. They did invest and they do have Damian Harris in building who presents that power, that vision, that solid kind of not the most elusive or explosive running back, but a pretty damn good running back during his time in New England. The charges get brought up, particularly when there were question marks about mm. Equa. He's back now. He's you committed. could use another power element there. Um, and I think both... Cook and Zeke would present that. Cook, um, I think, has more gas left in the tank uh, than Ezekiel Elliott. But you look through the league and there's just not a lot of obvious homes. I was going through the running back depth chart kind of before the draft, after the draft, um, to really to really get a good feel um, for, for who who had kind of questions there. You know, with the, you know, look in the NFC North, you look at a team like the Bears, they brought in Deontay Foreman to pair with Khalil Herbert before the draft. You go, hmm, look, Deontay Foreman's, He's been on all of our fantasy teams. How impressive is that? But then they go get a guy like Roshan Johnson, who has a three-down skill set, immense power, um, really nice balance, really think he's a good good running back. You saw this throughout the league, different versions. It's the Saints. Um, yes, Alvin Kamara is closer to the end. They add Jamal Williams, and I really like Kendra Miller out of TCU. He's a really talented running back. What about you know a team like the, the, the Bengals, where there's been noise about Joe Mixon? 
and whether he's long to the team, would they really, you know, would they really move on from a Joe Mixon and then bring in another um, older running back, particularly maybe someone like Dalvin Cook, who I think would command more money than Zeke. Uh, but then they go get a guy in Chase Brown late in the draft. I love Chase Brown out of Illinois. I thought he was like, again, this is a guy that we've been happy seeing coming off the board in the third or fourth round if he was really needy at running back. This guy is such, he has different build and different types of moves than, say, a Le'Veon Bell, but he's got that patience where he seems to lull the defensive line to sleep as he presses the gap and then finds it go. Great vision, great feel, um, really nice sharp footwork, has the gas pedal. Um, and, you know, he lands in a place like Cincinnati where if Cincinnati do move on from Joe Mixon with everything he saw, a decline on the field and then off the field, there's been issues, uh, say the least. He's also a guy that ran almost exclusively out of shotgun. And one of the big things the Bengals did to turn around their running game last year was go away from the under center running and get into shotgun runs. This guy fits so well. I'm giving it away. But that fit, that where he landed, if any of the people in my fantasy league are listening, yeah, I'm going after Chase Brown later in the rounds. It may <laughs> be an absolute waste of draft pick. But so you kind of look for these spots and it's not obvious now where someone like a Zeke or even Dalvin Cook um, would would reside. I mean, you look at Dallas, I guess, who didn't pick till, didn't add a running back till a kind of smaller guy in Juice Vaughn um, mm. late in the draft. Father, um, son. They, they use a parallel. They've already got Santos Tarrant. When it comes to Zeke, they're the ones that released him. They know where Zeke's at. And yeah. Dalvin Cook, are you really going to, even if you got Dalvin Cook for half the price that he's on now, if $5 million or $6 million a year, we're really investing $16 million in the in the running back position in the year 2023. No, no. <laughs> and, uh, and it goes back to, I reckon it was when you were on last time, we talked about how the running back market is where it's yeah. at. And it, it almost makes more sense to yeah, go draft a young guy rather than commit to a vet that's going to take up X amount of cap space and that sort of thing. And, you know, you might get... Especially the, when the class is so loaded, you know, yeah. especially when this, you know... There's, I wasn't the biggest fan, but Israel Abenkanda had a lot of big fans, and he's going off the board late. You know, look at Jacksonville, who already had Travis Etienne, whom they bested really highly in in the draft and showed more than more than a little bit of game last year. And then they come up and go, you know who we're going to pop behind you? Tank Bigsby, who I nicknamed as just Big Smooth. He, he reminded me a little of Arian Foster, just big, smooth, Ooh. slasher type um, who can who can break through arm tackles. There's, it feels like there's a lot of talent at running back every single year. This felt particularly loaded. And when you're a veteran running back on a big salary that finds themselves looking for a job, it's not a recipe for good times. No, no. Sounds like a few of those veterans might possibly not find a home in the near future. But one, just a, a quick one. You mentioned Chase Brown, another Chase, Chase Young. Are you surprised? Just a quick, are you surprised that in, uh, they're, they're talking not beating his fifth year option? No, because of how it's gone. Like the talent's ridiculous, but this is, if you're looking at the likely scenarios um, for how it was going to go for Chase Young, this is one of the worst possible ones, just in terms of, yeah, there's been some health issues, there's consistency of play. Um, the talent is there. He's had those purple patches of dominant form. But no, I don't think it's it's absolutely wild, especially, you know, fifth-year options aren't the cheapest thing in the world. And yeah. if he does have the season they hope, they hope he has a breakout season because, yeah. you know, you still are able to keep control while he's under the roster, all the different tags that are available there. So no, I wasn't really surprised. And I think, especially when you consider where the franchise is at. How long does Ron Rivera have left yeah. as head coach there? And we've got a change of ownership as well. It could be a very different oh, yeah. regime we're talking about. So, you know, is it, it, no, it's not a surprise that they invested, they didn't invest that, that fifth year option. Um, and um, it, it sets up, it makes a lot of sense that, you know, we'll see how the commander season goes, um, but that with all the tumult and change in that operation and, and, my opinion, great that we will be seeing a change of ownership as soon as that gets through the owners, um, which we're waiting on them to kind of you know give that the, the big green tick. Um, yeah, the fact that there's not a massive investment at a pivotal position with huge coin or, or even a point to that we somewhere committed to going forward, no, not a very big surprise. Nah, fair enough. I feel like we'll have you on again when that uh, they've crossed the T's and dotted the I's of that uh, commander's change. But before we get on to your boys' uh, drafting, the the Aussie lads that didn't quite get picked up that we we thought might have but have gone so we've got Lou Headley who's gone to the the Saints undrafted um, and have you heard any other guys that you know Adam Corsack that might be going anywhere? 
Well, Adam Corsak signed up with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders um, in the, I believe I said that right, um, in the last sweet yes, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Nice. Yeah. So he signed there in the last week. So that doesn't put an end to NFL dreams. You know, they could still be interested. He, had, he got the invite to both Steelers and Chiefs minicamp. Um, he is someone, look, it's not surprising that I think he, the, the, the CFL had their global football draft. I think he was the third overall pick in that. A lot of Aussies often do feature highly in that. Considering where he punted at Rutgers, the fact that yeah, the three... Without even knowing sometimes too, Macca. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. With, we're, we're considering that the three football or the cities that he's been tied to um, since punting up in the cold at Rutgers is, you know, Saskatchewan in Canada, uh, Pittsburgh and Kansas City, both pretty frosty spots, uh, not akin to, not not a, not uh, not afraid or uh, or unused to um, snow and cold weather and dreary conditions. That's not a surprise, but we'll see for, for Adam. Uh, he's in training camp there now. Um, we'll see if the NFL Lions call open again as we get into the, the rest of the offseason. That could certainly happen around training camp. Uh, and then for Lou, um, you're not getting huge amounts of punting reports coming out of mini camps. No. Um, <laughs> no. As much as we're keeping going. I'm looking forward to chatting with Lou um, shortly, um, which uh, which is one of them, you know, be keen to get out there. Um, he's someone, Lou, someone I spoke to not long after he, you know, took over, stole signing day back in the day um, when he went viral. Um, when, he, when he first inked his deal to join or inked his deal signed on the dotted line to join so looking forward to, to chat with him but he'll have a he'll have a shot there i don't think that the saints weren't totally settled at the special team spot um at both kicking and punting options you know i think they'd love um some more stability there but he'll, he'll get a chance they're not it's not a rookie you know addition behind a veteran punter that's got nine all pros or nine pro models and this is just trying to keep his, his leg warm if if luke and Sorry, if Lou can, can really step up um, and, and take advantage of the opportunities he gets, and he's got a big leg, he's got the type of leg that'll make people turn around. And, you know, it'll come off the boot, and people will, will they, they will notice. Um, if he can make that impression, there's certainly the chance that he can make inroads there and steal a starting spot. But um, those are the ones from the, the local angle that we're looking at. And, you know, not too long from now, we'll be looking at the next year's um, class, which uh, of, of Aussies, which does feature a positional player in Thomas Yasmin. Um, who's got one year left at Utah? Um, and friend a, of the uh, show, Big Tom. He's come on the there. Show. Yeah, yeah. Um, six foot five, two fifty, runs four four five. Productive back end of the of the last season. Dalton Kincaid has just left Utah. So that, yeah, you know, good understudy. Starting starting years there. That's a good way to learn. Mm. Um, it'll be interesting to see. He'll be a bit older when it does come come time for for, for Yasmin. He'll be a kind of twenty four year old um, draft prospect. Um, but usually when you hear that and that someone who's been playing football for, since Pee Wee, it's a bit of a ding. But when he's so new to football, I think yeah. you can counteract the fact that he'll be 24. They, they know. Yeah. yeah, they know he's 24 and they also know that he's got untapped upside because of how late he was to the game yeah. and yet has come on re- really well. Yeah, and the fact that he's a superb athlete. It, oh. you know, if he tests the house. Are you following him on the side? He's six foot five and bloody jocked at the moment. He's huge. Yeah. He's, he's enormous. He... The invite to Indianapolis can't come soon enough because he mm. could do some really impressive stuff um, at the Combine. And we've seen, look, a great tight end classes which come through the draft. And um, and athletic testing has such a big impact on that position. There is a huge correlation. There is it's one of the com- interesting conversations about Michael Meyer was he didn't have otherworldly or even massively above athletic testing. He was so solid. Um, so, you know, his block is so tight, nuance in his route. But when you look at the items in the NFL, you're picking that testing box, and you're looking at the George Kittle, the Travis Kelsey, these guys are stepping up to the Carl Pitts will see, I think, victim of circumstance to a degree. But you're not looking at, you're not seeing a lot of guys that ascend to the elite tier that don't have that level of testing. And I, I think, um, when it comes to uh, when it comes to Yasmin, uh, we could have a really exciting prospect on our hand, and from a scheme that we know uh, can feed the tight end as well in Utah. Hmm. And always exciting to see like positional players, not always just the, yeah. you know, the kickers and the punters. So that's, that's yeah. Cool. The other one I, I should mention while we're on tight ends is you know Patrick Murta, um, yeah. you know uh, through the international player pathway program. Um, 
you know, joins the, the Giants. Um, he did post uh, this morning. Um, and I'll just bring it up here so I'm not misquoting anything. The Giants. He, did he, go the li- he went to the Lions. Sorry, did I say Giants? I yeah, meant to try Lions. Lions. Um, yeah. That's... Um, Oh, it sounds like you're nervous about him, Tommy. Oh, no, no, happy for it. Happy for it. But just I know, I know who's in my division. No, you worry. Yeah. <laughs> um, he no, thy enemy. <laughs> yeah, he did post earlier today that um, that I believe an unfortunate injury or something, hasn't it? An unfortunate injury. Um, but so we'll just keep a close eye on that. Um, but um, you know, another example. There were a number of Australians and a Kiwi, Kiwis um, in the mix there um, to get into that program. He was the one that. That landed the spot, but yeah, the the noise around the, the talent um, that that is coming from down here, whether it's through things we are used to, like pro kick, um, or yeah. guys going over to college like Thomas, um, or you know positional converts to the international player pathway program, Australia is no secret anymore, um, no. and and we're finding more and more of that. Hmm. Absolutely. Uh, just before we do let you go, mate, thank you as always for coming on. But we've got Danny that is going to absolutely just lob one up for you to hit out of the park. <laughs> I just want to give a not like obviously thanks for coming on, but a massive shout out to Joshy Boy on Twitter. He's probably our number one fan, and he actually requested this, so this is massive shout out to him. Uh, but yeah, can we get a little Dallas Cowboys draft recap? Just to finish off, really, just go go to town, mate. Go on. I think this was a it was a real kind of meat and potatoes draft from the Dallas Cowboys. Whether you want to say that they drafted, they filled needs. Um, you know, Marzi Smith was someone that was probably looked at more in that kind of 30 to 40s range from a lot of people on the outside. Um, you know, you hear, you know, the standard stuff that comes out from draft rooms after, you know, oh, you know, no, we'd had teams calling to move up and we asked them who they were going to take and they said they were taking Marzi or they called us afterwards and say, oh, you got him there. I tell you what, if he slipped to us two picks later, we were going to take him. You treat all that with a grain of salt, but I I think I think upgrading the interior of the defensive line. I think the concerns against the run were slightly overblown. I mean, I think you look at the result against the 49ers and it's not that the Cowboys were giving up 6.5 yards a carry against that that 49ers uh, offense. <laughs> but I think <laughs> but I think adding some starch there at that kind of nose tackle spot. You got you bring Jonathan Hankins back and you add Marty Smith there. It does build that interior. You got Osa who's your kind of starting three tech. Uh, oh, sorry, Diggy Zoo uh, is more of that penetrating three-tech bit of pass rush. Um, and we know what's on the outside, right, with Michael Parsons and Marcus Lawrence and Sam Williams had a really nice rookie season as well. Um, I think Luke Schoonmaker, I was really high on this guy. You look at his athletic testing, way better than the way Michigan um, used him. Michigan, you know, this is ball control, run heavy. There weren't a lot of express-yourself-downfield route opportunities for Schoonmaker. And I think we talked about Schoonmaker before the draft, um, someone that I had big tickets on. Some people thought, oh, he's a third-round player. Cowboys picking the back end of the round. Um, you kind of have to take him where you take him, especially as they were coming off the board. It was him or it's Tucker Craft at that spot. Um, some people had Tucker. A lot of people had Tucker Craft ahead of Schoonmaker, but he's in that top six conversation. Good blocker, I think, with, with good athletic um, and receiving upside. Make way through. Look, Cowboys drafting a Texas Longhorn doesn't happen as many as often as a lot of Cowboys fans who are Longhorns fans would like. Um, but getting Demarion Overshone there, this is a how much faith do you have in Dan Quinn uh, conversation? Because Overshone was kind of positionless. He came in as a safety, played linebacker, rushed off the edge a little bit. Um, he was kind of a positionless and and didn't really find a natural home during his time at Texas. Uh, but athletic testing through the roof, you certainly see that kind of the closing burst that he does have on blitzes and when he's sent up to the quarterback. And you look, if you're a Cowboys fan, while his tape didn't live up to all the potential at Texas as a Longhorn wearing that burnt orange, you have, you, this is a question of faith in Dan Quinn to have a role. Um, early noise is more of that will linebacker spot, a role in mind for him. You're not going to get through this class without talking about Juice Vaughn. Though. Like that's the story that stole everything, right? Chris Vaughn. Yeah. Um, is a, a long-time member of the Cowboys front office scouting department, a senior member of it now. The chance for him to call up his son. At a spot like I thought Deuce Vaughn could have come off the board in the late fourth round, fifth round, probably because the athletic outlying in the sixth round makes a whole bunch of sense. They don't know. They don't have an obvious power back. Uh, you know, look at some of the, the recent names that have been in Cowboys uniforms, like a Malik Davis. Does he kind of take on a bit of those opportunities? But there's going to have some fun there. Look, it's going to be on, on Mike McCarthy and Brian Schottenheimer to execute, but, you know, your line CD lamb out there, you know, you, you get Schoonmaker, whoever your starting tight end is. You've got Brandon Cooks lining up on the other side. 
and you can have an you can get in pony personnel and have Tony Pollard and Juice Vaughn lined up in the backfield together and have some real fun with that. Um, you, he's he's this is not a big man. Uh, this is not a five foot ten running back. He's one hundred and seventy nine pounds. He's short. He's down in that kind of mid you know five five region. Uh, but he's electric. Go look at what he did against Alabama. Um, I think he's more. He has straight line speed, but I think it's the burst and the acceleration that stands out more. But he's got some filthy footwork, like some truly. He preseason. There's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of clips of Juice Vaughn. He has one when I was watching him. He catches a swing pass out to the right, and it's something that anyone that's watched footy, whatever footy you're, or particularly you know rugby and, and rugby league here in Australia, he gives a guy a little hint of a step, just like a little little taste. The guy bites a little bit, and then he hits him with the exact same move, but a full ball one, and just yeah. leaves him standing there holding his pockets. Um, so there's a lot of fun there. I, again, I don't think this was a draft where people were going to come away going, oh, steal, oh, steal. Oh, my God, the value. Eagles. Um, but it's, yeah. it's certainly – I think it's a sound draft. Um, and I think when you look at the Cowboys as well, you can criticize a whole lot of things about that football operation. You criticize the power dynamics, how the Joneses work, the head coaching decisions, all that kind of stuff. But one thing that I think they've deserved and got a lot of praise for over the past decade has been drafting, especially yeah. under Will McClay. Will McClay is one of the best and highly regarded um, evaluators in the league. But that's probably how I'd sum that one up. Didn't want to go through every single pick in the draft. Um, but those are the real, the, the, the real crux of it. Um, and we'll, um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what emerges from there, um, for a season where I think ideally for them, they get more continuity and more of the same on defense, um, and offense. We see how much of a change, how much West coast are we seeing under Mike McCarthy? Um, and can Dak Prescott, despite still, uh, the Dak haters will hate to hear this, um, despite still being such a good performer under pressure versus the blitz on third and fourth down. Will there be more consistency in, and some better decision-making on first and second down with some of those errant throws that seemed, I think the best way would be, that they seemed confused. They seemed confused for the offense. They seemed confused for the quarterback. And they seemed confused for the viewer. Do we see more clarity? Because if you're going to keep pace with the Eagles, if you're going to keep pace with the Niners and whoever else bolts out of the wild, wide, wide open NFC, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to have to, to, to be a more um, consistently efficient offense. Um, that doesn't have those um, very frustrating drive stallers and, and, and ball turnover plays. Yeah, beautiful. Well, just like every other team, it sounds like uh, it's Super Bowl or bust for you boys at this time of year, but that's, uh, that's the standard. I know that we've taken yourself longer than what we uh, we had planned, so I'll wrap this up nice and quickly. We've also got uh, Cardi's young girls in the background making plenty of noise, which is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> So I'll wrap this up so you boys can go look after family life. Uh, Lars, we appreciate you coming on. We'll get you on in the next few weeks, especially when the commanders start to wrap up. That, that'll be interesting uh, to talk about. As always, if you do enjoy this podcast, tell your friends, your family, your neighbours, give us a five-star rating, leave a review. You can find us, Twitter, AGSAU Podcast. Car- oh, shit, Cardi, I forgot what yours is. Tim Cardi, AGSAU, is that right? Yeah, yep. correct. Danny Webb, AGSAU, TMAC, AGSAU. Loz, where can we find you? Twitter, everywhere? Where are we? Yeah, do you bring around on Twitter at Laurie Horash? Um, you probably can't spell it, but that's all right. You'll find it close enough. L-A-U-R-I-H-O-R-E-S-A. And obviously everything over on ESPN.com.au. You know, it's the off-season, but there's we'll have some more conversations, some interviews going up. Uh, the NFL brekkie shows in our in our downturn right now, but uh, we'll be firing up as the preseason gets closer. Me and me and Big Phil Murphy, yeah. Um, and and yeah, Kip and I like you know it's uh, it's that time of year where you know we're enjoying the morsels of nuggets of information we get out. We should definitely get over there. And if you want to tell me, you know how terrible my quarterback rankings are, they're all on Twitter. Jump on, fire Let up. Him know. Because, Let um, him know. Um, you know, this time of year, uh, you know, around eight forty-five at night, once the little fellas asleep, I've got I've got a bit of time to uh, to uh, hop on and uh, and throw some respectful football <laughs> yeah. back and forth. He will bite back. He will bite back. Make sure you get into no, Phil's no. ear and make sure he gets on our podcast too. We've uh, love to see you two go head to head on this, but. 